Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Free Pizza Podcast. And today's guest is Jessamine Stanley, a yoga teacher and writer. Enjoy. I also was like about to start talking in the beginning and be like, hey, like, and I was like, this is not whatever. Nah, Hello. this is so much more like Yes, thank How's you for going? being here. It's going thank well. you for having me. Yes, thank you for making some time. You thank know. you for asking me yeah. because you, the people that you've had on the show already are people that, well, mostly I'm thinking about Janie Ledford, who I have a love for like. Shout my, out to Janie. Shout Shout out to Janie Ledford for real. Because, okay, can I tell you a story about her? Yes. We're already off topic. No, but please tell me a story about Janie Ledford. So I only knew her because she dated this dude who was in my Greek class in college. And I was like, who is this lesbian that Henry is dating? And why am I not talking to her? And then I was like, oh, no, they're like for real dating. And now she got a kid with somebody. So I'm like, okay, well, I read that one wrong. But anyway... I've always kind of held a soft spot for her, and I'm glad now this is the time that I've decided to mention that. Okay. Oh my gosh. Whatever. Anyway, so, but, so getting back to the point, the point is, y'all had her on show, I like her at the end. Yes. <laughs> Go listen to Janie's interview if you haven't. Um, but cool. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you've had a pretty insane journey uh, to being an you know, mm. awesome yoga teacher and writer and all that kind of stuff and a lot of other things as well. Mm. So, tell us what you're doing right now, and then mm. we'll kind of go back in time and you know, come back to it. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm just working on trying to actually like interact with my students as much as possible because, yeah. because I had my book came out, come out last year. And because even before that I was just traveling a lot, it's been hard for me to maintain a regular teaching schedule. Mm-hmm. And to me, the only reason t- for me to be teaching yoga is to actually reach the people who have asked me to teach them. And as much as it's like, I mean, it's cool to build the brand. It's cool to like go more places. But at the same time, like, honestly, I'm just trying to fucking breathe with people. I'm not really trying to like <laughs> self promote. So like my goal right now is to just like be teaching more. And then on top of that, I, I, I love creating content. I love uh, being creative and like just do, that's the whole reason that I even like started taking pictures of my yoga practice was just as it was just like documenting a journey. And so, but I'm kind of like bored of social media. Honestly, I just feel like it's really basic and very like, whatever I I'm bored with it at this point. And so, but I still want to make things and I um, am working on these video series that are based on like what it's really like to be a yoga practitioner, not about like, Oh, this is how you practice this pose. Or like, this is what coconut water is. Or like, this is what (laughs) beach vacations. Like, I don't know, like the crap that people put out, but like, it's all about like, what are the, what's the real shit that comes up in your life that like you have to utilize yoga in order to, um, 
in order to handle and understand. And so that's kind of what I'm working on right now, but cool. it's definitely different from where I started. Right. Like, very different. That's perfect. We're going to go right there where you started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. So like, okay. So when you say, where did I start? Do you mean like, when did I start? I would say, when did the interest in you want to become a yoga practitioner start? Okay. Yes. Um, so I had no interest in yoga at all. I was in graduate school and I was just like going through some shit. I I've always been prone to depression and like not really, um, feeling my best. Mm -hmm. And I was going through a time like that. It was basically like I had decided to go to grad school for something that, I had set out on a mission like a long time before that. And by the time I was actually in school, I was just like, this is not who I am. This isn't what I want to be doing. Um, I care about this, but it's just everyone is so superficial. And Mm -hmm. like, is that who I am? And then at the same time, like the person that I've been dating for like, fuck, like almost a decade at that point, we were breaking (laughs) up and it was just, everything was, I mean, it's just like life. It's it's life shit. And one of my classmates was like, oh my God, you should try Bikram yoga. You're going to love it. It's going to change your whole life. And I was like, I'm not doing that because I had tried Bikram yoga once before and when I was in high school and hated it, it was like, even to this day, one of the worst experiences of my life. And I was like, I'm not doing that. You're, she just kept bearing on me about it like come to this class blah blah blah. and I was like I'm not doing it and the only reason that I ended up going is because they had a Groupon pass and I was like what's the worst that could happen go one time spend $30 it's fine so like I went and I loved it it was so difficult like Bikram yoga's style of hot yoga is practiced in a room that's about 100 to 104 degrees it it's the same 26 poses two times over a 90 minute period and it's pretty intense for people, even people who have been practicing it for a long time. And for a non-practitioner, it was like extremely difficult, but it was also really freeing for me to get to a place where I'd be like, okay, I don't know how to do this. I'm the fattest person in here. I'm usually was like the only black person in the room felt very alienated. And I was just like, you know, I'm just about to do this. I'm about to try. I might fall down. I might not be able to practice the poses like everyone else in the room, but I'm just going to try and see, let's just see what happens. And that experience of just trying was something that I had stopped doing. I didn't even realize it. Like in my day to day life, I would not just step out of boundaries or be like, Oh, I'm just going to try this thing. And like, I don't know if I'm going to be good at it. I would only pursue things that I thought I was capable of handling. Anything else was just not available to me. I was basically like sleepwalking through life. It's like you wake up and you just go to class, you go to work, you have the same bullshit conversations over and over again, totally not engaged, go to sleep, wake up, do the same thing. And you literally can't do that when you're practicing yoga. It requires you to step out of like whatever little walled off world that you've made and just be in the moment and see what happens there. And, um, that was just a very clarifying experience for me. And it, it was not like a love at first sight type of thing either. I mean like, yeah, I did, I did really like it after I like started practicing, but 
I didn't, I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm a convert to this. Like I have to do this all the time. I was just like, I'm going to do this for as long as I can. And like, I couldn't even afford to practice in studios. It's right. really expensive to right. practice in yoga studios, but I had a work study at the studio. So I'd practice like you had to practice three or four times a week and you had to help clean the studios, but you could practice for free. Oh, wow. And so I was like doing that and just getting really, really into it. And I got the confidence to leave graduate school. And mm -hmm. so technically I'm on a leave of absence from grad school. And still? I still, oh, wow. yeah. um, <laughs> but I was like, cause I was like, I just need a break from this. I don't know. It's not that it's, it's not that I don't care about this at all. It's just that I can't do this right now. And I moved to Durham where I live now. Okay. And when I moved to Durham, I couldn't afford to practice in studios. I didn't, I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a plan. Wow. And, um, I started to, well, I stopped practicing yoga and during that time, a bunch of shit happened. But the main thing that happened was that my aunt passed away really unexpectedly. Oh, okay. And I was just very shaken by that experience because we were, re we were very close and, um, it was, it just sent me kind of spiraling back into the place that I'd been in before I started practicing. And, I was like, what was I doing before that was making me feel okay? Yoga? Okay, well, I'm just going to figure out a way to do this. And wow. I practiced like eight to ten poses that I felt pretty comfortable with. Okay. And that would just be like my practice. Like I practiced those poses and then this is what I do to feel better. And then as time went on, I started to learn more about yoga and I learned more about um, lineages and about just... I learned a lot more about it and I started to um, want to document my practice okay. because I, one of the things, one of the reasons why people don't practice yoga at home is because it's very alienating. Like you're, it's very isolating. You just spend all your time alone at home and, mm -hmm. and you don't know if you're practicing the postures correctly and there's all this whole thing. So I was taking photos so that I could watch my progress over time. And I realized that like, oh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I've been talking for a while. No, this is all, it's all connected. No, like, yeah, no you're like, fine. This is what okay. I want. This is, this is, okay. this is, this is perfect. So like, so I started documenting it and I, this is back when Instagram first came out. And yeah. when Instagram first came out, it was like mostly just college students. And it was people like just taking pictures of their cats and food and shit. And I was like, okay. And I saw some yoga people on there, but it was really like, just very serious practitioners and teachers giving one another feedback. Right. And I wanted to feel like I was a part of a bigger community. I wanted to feel like I, you know, was connected to something outside of my house. And so I would post my pictures on Instagram so that I could connect to this community and get feedback on my practice. But I realized over time that the responses I was getting from people were not really like, Oh, you know, jut your knee out further here or wow, great work on like plank pose or whatever. Yeah. It was mostly people being like, I didn't know fat people could do yoga. Wow. And I was just like, why do you think fat people can't do yoga? All fat people do all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't understand <laughs> what I realized that we really just have like a visibility issue, you know? And so right. that has evolved into the sort of the path that I walk now, but Honestly, the only reason that I practice yoga is because it's the medicine that I've found to be able to manage myself over the years. And I feel like 
it's not like I started practicing yoga and now my life is magical. Yoga just helps you understand that mm-hmm. there's ups and downs in life and shit happens. And sometimes you're the fly and sometimes you're the windshield. And that ultimately you're just trying to like try to be okay with that reality. And so the only reason that I practice is so that I can like keep my head on straight. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Did those comments like kind of affect mm-hmm. you at all? Like, I mean, other than like. I was bullied a lot when I was in middle school. So I was very used to the experience of like insecure people putting their shit onto you. Mm -hmm. So honestly, like, and I kind of feel like that's why I was, um, why I dealt with that shit when I was younger so that I could understand it now. Because now, I mean, I still get trolling comments to this day. Like it's probably somebody writing one right now. And like (laughs) my thought is like, yeah, my thing with that is like, if you have the time and the energy to troll on the internet, that means that you are lacking very deeply in your personal life. Exactly. Because, That's exactly what yeah, it is. It's like people who are happy do not troll. Like, they don't have any reason to. Yeah. So whenever people are like, yeah, that, well, blah, blah. First of all, <laughs> no one is creative. Like, all of these things, I'm like... Bitch has been saying that like forever. Do you think you're the first person to call me fat in an aggressive <laughs> no, way? Dude. Like mean it, so mean whatever. So like, I mean, yeah. Now this is not to say that like there are not days where I catch a comment or something and I'm just like, you fucking tried it. Like one time, okay. Um, yes. I was on I was on the book tour and I was so tired and I had like I'd been in like three cities in two days or something like that and like. I was in the airport. I had like I was rushing to the flight, and I had a second before we were boarding. And I just looked at my phone, and somebody had written like I don't even know. Let's let's make it up. You're disgusting, fat hog. Like kill yourself. I don't know whatever. So <laughs> I saw this, and I was like, this bitch tried it. And so I got like I was like screenshotting. I'm on Instagram stories. Like I can't believe this person say blah blah. blah. And then I went back and looked at it, and I immediately deleted it because I was like mm-hmm. just don't even like just don't yes. eat. it's not even like don't give them that energy or like don't like you're better than them it's just like don't just it's not necessary this person whoever it is probably has like so much shit going on in their lives yep. and then they get on the internet and the first thing they see is this bitch out here thinking it's okay to be fat and wear underwear in a picture and like they're personally offended by that and so they feel like this is the way to make themselves feel better and I get it. I feel like they got what they needed from that experience and I can get what I need, which is to walk away. So right. that's kind of how I deal with it in general. Right. Yeah. That's but insane. I mean, people, because people be out here, like yeah. the, the no, they, internet they, makes people definitely. feel bold, free, like you can't touch me. And I'm like, I, you're right. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. So that's fine. That's, Have fun. That's so wild. <laughs> it is what it is. You um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I, I want to kind of go back in time a little bit more than that because um, you have roots in Greensboro and I think a lot of our listeners yeah. are in Greensboro and you graduated from UNCG. I did. So and you don't have to go into like, in detail, but what did you what did you study there? Okay. Um, my major was media studies okay. with a concentration in film and video production. Um, I spent a lot of time at WUAG. I don't know if what's happening at WUAG nowadays, but um, like WAG was very, it was like a very big deal right. at the time yeah, and like was. i was like totally embedded in that scene i was the news director for my junior year i was just like very much obsessed with connecting to people and that was something that i did not um 
really anticipate going into school at all and has definitely informed everything that I've done since then. Right. But I mean, I didn't like when I was in school, I realized pretty quickly that like, I don't want to work in film because first of all, I have so much respect for people who make um, things that are like very technical and that you have to spend a lot of time like just really focusing on. I It's just that's not where my mindset is. But one thing that I did appreciate about that experience was like just getting to know lots of different people. And because um, I went to a really small high school mm-hmm. and I went to and I um, I really wanted to be exposed to just like more more people and right. more experiences right. um so it was a very positive experience for me i was though drinking really heavily when i was living in greensboro oh, um wow. okay. i actually um <laughs> even after so a huge uh, i don't know how to get into this without like really getting into it um <laughs> i i was just doing a lot when yeah. i lived in greensboro i was yeah. doing the most right. and um Actually, after multiple years, I'm just like, do I really want to talk about this? It's fine. Um, I actually, okay, so I got arrested in the Brown Building one time. Oh, um, my this God. was The first time I got arrested um, oh, was at UNCG because it was after graduation. It was like a couple years after. One of my really close friends and I, um, we used to do a radio show together at WAG. And mm-hmm. we were like, let's go in. Like It was like 2 a.m. I don't even remember. We were at College Hill. Just like, <laughs> of we course. were doing the most. Of course, College Hill. No, we, I don't know what was going on we had bootlegger afterwards or some shit like it was the most and we were like let's go up to the brown building like it's gonna be fine if there's somebody in there like it'll be cool and i don't even remember how we got caught or why we got caught but it was it was the most and i've actually been banned from the brown building so like technically cannot go back there Who's who's checking that? That's really no one's checking checking the brown building. But they definitely were like, "That's not a thing." But anyway, so yeah, my UNCG roots run deep, (laughs) very deep. That's the thing. And just uh, for the info, but what what did you grad? What did you study in graduate school? Uh, Nonprofit arts management. So the degree is actually called performing arts management, but it's um it's nonprofit arts management. I when I was at UNCG, so like. I worked at WAG, but I also worked at Triad Stage. I worked for the Eastern Music Festival. Um, I worked at a lot of arts organizations, and I got to feel as though I was very interested in the administration of an arts organization. And I do still feel very passionately about community-supported arts, especially mm-hmm. um, within education and within um, educating young people. Because if you are building a society you can't do that without encouraging people to be creative even if you're going to be working in sciences or i mean because science is creativity it's uh, it's, it's extraordinarily creative it's just like but we don't live our government is very unsupportive of the arts and i felt like i want to give i want to give of myself in this way um my issue with the program that i was in is that Frankly, it's just like a lot of elitist white people. And yeah. it's a lot of this, like, um, <laughs> it's a lot of people who, like, studied classical arts. Like, they, um, you know, maybe you have a master's in oboe performance or, like, you have, 
Right. So you have. So um, this is no shade on music. Majors, oh, no, I'm, I'm no fans. I'm not. I'm not no. So, but like, it's it's like okay. So like, I'm better than people because I have this deep knowledge of Schumann or whatever. And like, right. and they be the way they talk about reaching out to other communities. Be like, we have to reach the black community. Oh by, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. To, and I was just like, what is the point? Like, I'm sitting in these classes. I feel like I'm like boring like my skull my brain is melting out of my ears i was just so it um but i mean now that i've had some time away from it i was actually just talking to my partner about this like if i had if i had some time where i was more rooted here i would probably just i just want to finish that degree mostly because I'm paying for it, but haven't finished it. Um, oh, yeah. Quick tip, don't drop out of grad school if you're not prepared to continue to pay for a degree that you have not finished. Wow, um, it's not that. cute. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, but I guess also like lesser known Jessamine fact, the reason that I moved to Durham is because I wanted to go to culinary school. I had um, always wanted to go to culinary school, but I was like, I'm so far down this path. Like I studied film and I was studying arts management. Like, how am I just going to stop all of that and go to culinary school? But I did, and I have an um, associate of arts in culinary arts. So, like, lesser known thing about me. Right. Is that is that around the time where the writing started? That was... I've kind of always been writing, but I did start um, posting on... Posting about yoga specifically when I was in culinary school. And at the same time, I was... Um, just exploring food photography. My food photography blog turned into my yoga blog. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all of these things are connected. That's why I don't really feel like, because people be like, oh, I'm in school to do this thing, and it's like really different from what I want to be doing, or I have this side project that's completely different from what I'm doing, and I'm like, everything is connected. Everything is linear, ultimately, because like everything, you are getting better, and you are becoming more evolved because of the things that you've done so that even if you start out in a completely different place than where you end up like they're directly related because of your path so like i just feel like everything kind of had to happen the way that it did Mm -hmm. had i not been like learning more about photography i would never have been photographing my yoga practice right exactly i don't know i think they're linked gotcha yeah so, in between, I know you went to uh, a school in Asheville. Oh, that's where I did my yoga teacher training. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, between yeah. Durham mm-hmm. and that, like, mm-hmm. was, did you go to Asheville right after Durham? Or? No. Okay. So, okay. Um, okay. So, I was not interested in being a yoga teacher. This right. is not like, I was not like, oh, I'm going to practice yoga for a while and then I'm going to become a teacher. I was literally like trying not to be a yoga teacher because again, <laughs> like I was interested in food photography, still am interested in food styling, like was very much walking down this path of um, just a different path. I was working in a restaurant that, I mean, granted, like I don't know if I love working in restaurants, but I do love the community. I love the performance of putting on a um because working in a restaurant is a lot like working in theater. It's like you put on a performance for that night. And yeah. so, like, I've always been attracted to that. And so I was doing that. But, yeah, I was practicing and I was posting photos of my practice. And I'd had so many people reach out to me from mm-hmm. around the world. Like, come teach me, come teach me. And I would recommend other teachers. I would recommend online shit. I'd be like, you do not need for me to come teach you. Because mm-hmm. Honestly, there are thousands of yoga teachers. Like, why do I need to be a teacher? And 
it got to a place where um so it was just outrageous the number of people that were asking me about it and i was like okay (laughs) maybe but then i didn't have the money to do it i mean like as previously mentioned i'm paying for this grad degree that i haven't finished so like how am i be out here just like spending money on a yoga teacher certification and i was like maybe i'll do an indiegogo or gofundme but i wasn't putting that shit together that's a whole other job shout out to people who put crowdsourcing campaigns to get like successful ones it's so 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 tedious but um i was like i don't have the money to do this and um it got to a place where i was talking to my father about it and my father is not interested in any of this he has never cared about like yo when when i left grad school to say he was pissed wasn't under is an oh, understatement. Wow. He was like, "This is the mistake of your life. I can't believe that you're doing this." Like blah blah blah. And like, I moved to Durham. I'm practicing yoga, working in this restaurant. He was just like, "I don't know what you're doing with your life." And he, we were, I was at my parents' house, and we were just talking about stuff that had been happening to me. And by this point, I'd had a fair amount of press notoriety, and I can't remember what publication let's just say it was people because i really don't remember so like i was in people or whatever and my dad was like well your mom told me about this yoga thing you know what what's going on with this (laughs) oh yeah and i was just like oh yeah i mean you know yoga blah blah and then he was like well are you going to become a teacher you know what are you doing with this and i was like well i would but i can't afford to go to training so and then he was like well how much money does it cost and i was like like three thousand dollars. I don't know why I'm giving myself this voice, but like, it's like, like three thousand dollars. And he was like, "Well, Jessamine, what if we could find a way to get you that money? Would you go then?" And I was like, "If this dude who has been saying from the beginning that wow. he didn't want me to be involved, like if he's saying that I need to do it, that I need to you do need it, to do and, it, yes." And it was like no small. So I already knew what training I wanted to go to at Asheville, um, at Asheville Yoga Center, and I picked that school because the woman who opened it she wrote this book called the yoga teacher's handbook and that handbook is used in like most yoga teacher trainings across the country and i was like i mean it's bitch in Asheville, so like i guess i should go down there and learn you're right like, you're right, here, you're right. so like I, but it was like a month-long program and i mean i had i had two full-time jobs at that point and was oh, like i cannot just leave these jobs but I had to quit one of my jobs and then the other one I had to get someone to replace me while I was gone but I really think of myself very much as before YTT which is what we call yoga teacher training Mm -hmm. and after YTT because before YTT I really understood my practice as like a very superficial experience it was like I go to yoga class I practice these poses they make me feel good. It's like something, it's an activity that I do. It's not a path that I'm walking. But when I was in the uh, training, I realized that the reason there have to be so many yoga teachers, and frankly, the reason that everyone should teach is because every human being has had so many experiences that have shaped and carved them into a way that could resonate for another human being. And that if you are walking this path of harvesting compassion within yourself and trying to understand the love that is always within you and that is always within others, 
because of your unique experiences that could resonate for one other person, maybe just one other person, but that one person that's worth it. Because if we can all start this path of harvesting compassion within ourselves and we reflect that to each other, to everyone, mm-hmm. okay. then it turns into us living in a world that is based on love and compassion, as opposed to a world that's based on hate and fear, which is what we're currently living in. Right. And so when I left my teacher training in Asheville, I was like, and it was also that experience. Um, mm-hmm. It really was like having, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it was like having my soul cracked open. It wow. was like being able to see for real. And so when I left training, I was like, okay, well, people have been asking me to teach them like where y'all want me to come. And so I literally <laughs> have a spreadsheet that is just like, essentially every country on the planet and i'm just in my mind i'm just trying to work my way down that list and i feel like when i have reached all of those places or when i have reached everyone who has asked me to teach them then i'll stop teaching and i'll do something else i'll move on with my life but until that happens i will do this because i i feel weird saying this but the only way to put it is that i feel as though i've been called to do this because frankly i wouldn't be doing it otherwise yeah, like exactly. i would be living be doing something completely different right but um i mean the thing about teaching though is that you can't physically be everywhere all the time like i can't go to i can't be in every place right so some and some people don't even want to go to a yoga studio so like you make online classes so that people can practice online so i have classes that are online some people don't even want to go to a studio at all they just want to read about it so i wrote a book everybody yoga so that you can like actually just experience it that way um some people are not interested in going to a class they're not interested in reading a book but they might be interested in hearing the general themes so i did a podcast jessamine explains it all where i talk about what it means to practice yoga in the real world it's all of these things ultimately toward the same goal which is just reaching the people who have asked me to teach them right that's amazing yes it makes perfect sense you and you hit every single you know type of person that's and that's incredible it's like honestly not really because like you know how everybody's just like doing their thing like living their truth living their purpose yeah and i feel like that's just i'm just trying to like live my truth right another thing that i really realized is that this life is so brief even when it's long it's brief and there's so much that like we we can experience and encounter and i just feel like i want to like try to use my time wisely right that's excellent so and I'll jump, jump a little bit because you mm-hmm. got um, I said a lot of things. You were in a publication before you even got to the school. Yeah, I was like, in a lot of things. Like how how did that come? Yeah. Did I hit you up on Instagram or how? Instagram, that... yeah, Instagram is wild. Dude. Yeah, like I don't even. I mean, because before it's weird to me that like even if it's 2018 now, like even eight years ago, Instagram maybe Instagram started in 2009, 2010, but like. I want to say 2011, but right. the the fact is a decade ago, the shit did not exist. And now it's like one of the main places that people come for just like general information. And so a lot of my press notoriety has come organically from Instagram. Right. Like I would say the, the lion's share. Right. And yeah, before I went to teacher training, I had, um, yeah, I'd had, a lot of things had happened before that. But um, I think even 
No, GMA happened after that. The, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's something to be said for like really utilizing platforms to be authentic and to share your truth. Because what I see a lot of is people being like, oh, you can get famous on Instagram. And then they're like, and then they like hop on there just doing some bullshit. Like, I don't even know what you're doing. (laughs) Do you even know what you're doing? And then they're like, I just want to be famous. Like, that's the feeling. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's not like you okay so it's like (laughs) you should just be yourself Yourself. genuine be genuine when when you are genuine that reflects like i mean i think that there's endless examples of that yeah yeah that's literally how it happened that's insane so were there any big obstacles you faced while you actually in the school any like sense of mm. doubt or any like regret or anything? Of, and um, when I was in my teacher, when you were in a teacher training, yeah. Um, well, okay. So I went to this YTT that like is very reputable, but it's also extremely white. And I hate to really focus on that, but that's something that has guided a lot of my understanding of what I need to be doing in the yoga world. Because the so okay, let me back up. So. <laughs> In YTT, I was one of two people of color. I was the only, like, visibly plus-size person. And I faced a lot of, like, I believe unintentional, but definite, like, discrimination almost from the other students. Just Mm -hmm. thinking, like, well, you know, what's she doing here? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you, like, are you really going to be able to blah, 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 blah. And to the point where, like... I think that in the beginning, I almost felt like I had to prove my presence, like the fact that I deserved to be there. But then pretty quickly, I was like, I don't need to prove anything. I just need to like be here and Mm -hmm. have this experience. But that also meant I was also um, in a period of fasting during my teacher training. So it was so like everybody else is like taking a lunch break together, drinking, having like water breaks. And during those times, I would be by myself. And it was a very isolating experience, but also really really necessary because I needed to be able to just like get into my own head and just like get be in my shit and so like it was these weeks of just like practicing really aggressively meditating constantly reading and absorbing information and then just trying to exist in my own body and it meant that a lot of emotions came up for me and um but it's emotions that I did not really anticipate so when I was um, about halfway through, oh, okay, let me say this also. So when you practice um, yoga, you build this fire inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And the fire is called tapas. It's the fire that burns away the pieces of yourself that don't need to be there. And so um, when I was about halfway through the program, I we were doing this partner yoga exercise. And I was partnered with somebody who was like much smaller than I am. And she was like, I was paranoid about this experience because I was like, I'm literally supposed to put all of my body weight onto this like tiny person. I'm, and as a fat bodied person, I've spent my whole life being paranoid about even like letting my body touch other people, let Mm -hmm. alone like putting all of my body weight on someone. So we start this partner yoga and I'm just apologizing constantly. Every, the only thing that I said to this woman was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she stopped me at one point and she, and I compulsively apologize. It's like, it's a yeah. thing. I think it's actually a Southern thing, but that's a separate issue. So anyway, she, <laughs> like, she stopped me at one point. She puts her hands on my shoulders and she was like, 
you do know you don't have to apologize for everything, right? And I just laughed and I was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just apologizing for existing. And I was like, wait, what? Oh wow. You're apologizing for existing? What the fuck? And it literally, like, it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, I can't, I cannot do anything else because it slipped out of my mouth because of the tapas, because of this fire that's burning away the things that don't need to be there. It slipped out of my mouth like I, like I was saying my name, like I was telling somebody where I'm from. Like, wow. it was the most true thing that I've ever, not, Definitely had experiences like this and much more intense since then. But up until that point, it was like the most intense truth. And I was like, how long have I been thinking this that I think I don't deserve to exist? What else has this affected? Like, that's not the sort of shit you just come up with. Like, that's something that's been sitting on my spirit for decades and that I can like that there are relationships that have been ruined, that there are work work environments that have been toxic, that there are family relationships that have been confusing, that all these things have happened. And like, what has that one idea, how has it touched those things? And um, I'm not a crier. I'm not like a very um, outwardly emotional person, but I just started crying oh, and wow. I cried for the rest of the practice. I cried through Shavasana. And to be fair, everyone was crying all the time at this yoga teacher training because when you're building up this kind of fire inside yourself it only elicits tears Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't like i'm saying that because people weren't like why are you crying but everybody's crying so (laughs) i was just like crying i cried in my car i could not stop and it wasn't crying like i'm so sad it was crying like this is the truth and i have seen the truth but it's a very difficult experience for me and I am also not saying this to say that like, yeah. And then the end result is that I never apologize for things anymore. And I'm just so great because yoga is amazing. Like not at all. Mm -hmm. I still compulsively apologize for shit, but I really think it was like having a really foggy bathroom mirror that you look through your entire life. And then for one moment, having a swipe down the center and you just see the truth Mm -hmm. and it is fogged back over again. But to know that there is a way to, to get through to that and that potentially you could get all the way through it and remove the fog, maybe not permanently, but in a way that is long lasting that has continued to motivate me in my practice. But again, it's like extremely different from where I started. And also, um, it was, it's a very difficult, humbling and, uh, in a lot of ways, painful process. Right. For sure. Right. Is that something you're still kind of like slowly but surely getting over? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it's about getting over. It's more like just accepting that it's there. Right, right, right. um, But yeah, definitely. I mean, my practice at this point is very different from when I started in that it's primarily based on introspection as opposed to like, I wonder what my body can do or I wonder where I could go with this. Like that's, that's a place that I think most people tend to stay at with the yoga practices. Mm -hmm. Like, look at this amazing thing that I made my body do, or like, I wonder how much I can handle or et cetera. For me, it's like the, any pose, any breath is just a motivation to swim into this space that is so vast And it's always within me. It's always ready. It's literally just closing your eyes and a breath away. Mm -hmm. But it's an opportunity to just swim into that truth that most people, I would say, 
hide from themselves yes. intentionally. Yes. Yes. Like you don't want to see that truth. But for me, that um, just trying to swim in that is all I'm really doing at this point. Right. And I also read that you develop practices mm-hmm. that help overcome mental health and um, mm-hmm. emotional barriers. Mm-hmm. So how was it developing those flows? So it's really more about, okay, so, okay. <laughs> so when I started to practice at home and I would take the photos of myself I noticed that the language that I used to talk about myself was extremely toxic, but I didn't, it took, I don't think it necessarily requires yoga, but I do think that being able to see the way that you communicate about yourself is key. So for me, it was like, I'm taking a yoga, I'm in a yoga pose for the, like, I'm taking a photo, I'm in the pose, I feel amazing, I'm like, yoga is wonderful, I feel so present, this is great. And then I would go back and look at the photo and I would just immediately start talking shit about myself. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh my God, your stomach, oh, your arms, oh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. just like, you're so gross. And I was doing this for a very long time. And eventually I was like, I, why am I saying these things about myself? Like, I'm not, like, there's not anyone else here saying this about me. I'm not regurgitating things that I've heard other people say. These are my organic thoughts. Why am I my own worst enemy? And understanding that has allowed me to see the ways that like if you're in a yoga class that you sort of set yourself up for disaster because you're so focused on how you look and how you appear to other people as opposed to how you feel. So for me in developing an environment where that is not the case, it's less about like specific flows and more about the way that I communicate with people and the kind of energy that I want to harvest in a space. Because a lot of times when you go to a yoga studio, it's legit like fucking cheerleading camp or something. Or like, (laughs) it's like, like, okay, we're doing yoga today. And like, if you, 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 and you, you make the cut. Everybody else to the side. You know, it's like very hierarchical. It's like mean girls. There's this weird kind of, um, it's like a high school bully kind of vibe. And for me, uh, the idea is to just like show the compassion that I'm trying to show myself in the space. So not encouraging that kind of energy, like literally shutting it down from the jump off, making a space where people feel comfortable wearing whatever they want to wear, that their body is able to be exactly as it is doing that by the way that I am presenting myself. So that like, I'm, I have a whole thing where like, I do not wear shirts to teach class. I only wear sports bras Mm -hmm. so that it's clear that like, if you have a fat belly, that's fine. You do not need to feel self-conscious about that. And it really only takes like the teacher being confident in themselves and compassionate toward themselves, or at least visibly working toward that for other people to take that on as well. Because, and it's not just like fat bodied people. There's every single person has some shit that they are self-conscious about or uncomfortable about. And I've noticed that like, I mean, okay, so, um, when I was teaching in London, I taught this class where it's like a packed room, hot ass studio. And it was also like, it was 
kind of an, uh, it was an intense experience because I had to pee really bad toward the end of the class and then was like, oh, I can run out during the meditation, but then I didn't want to. And I ended up like peeing on myself in this yoga studio. Oh, so God. anyway, all of this has happened, right? That's and this, this, That's like the tip of the iceberg that this happened to me. So anyway, um, the class is over. Everyone's like trying to talk to me afterwards. And the first person who's talking to me is this guy who's in the very front row. He like looks like... I don't really pay that much attention to like cishet white guys, but he was like, you know, attractive. He looked like a model and he comes up and he's like, I just feel so much better about myself. And I really just appreciate you for this experience. Blah, blah. And I was like, you out here with body issues? Like what is happening? It's like literally everyone, everyone. everyone. And, but when you harvest a space that is based on compassion, that allows people the freedom to just be themselves. And that, that then allows people to like, deal with their baggage whether it's mental emotional physical whatever but that it's okay that it's like this is a space where it's okay to bring yourself your whole self not the one that you cover up for other people but your real self right and that that's really all that i'm ever doing when i'm like create like helping people get over past mental barriers. and emotional barriers yeah yeah that's amazing so after the after you graduate from the the, the school mm-hmm. in um Asheville, did you were there any thoughts of you like maybe I should go back to work in between teaching mm-hmm. classes or like mm-hmm. I'm just gonna I'm gonna dive out there? No, no. I so I went um I got back from training and I immediately went back to my job that I had left for yeah. for that time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I wasn't even like being that enthusiastic or aggressive about teaching. I was like, I'm just going to teach as I'm able to when I have time. And then immediately it just became like extremely time consuming where I was teaching like multiple. I was teaching like five privates a week and three or four, four live classes. Um, And then on top of that, working at this restaurant in the evenings and on the weekends and then I got to a place where my former teaching partner and I were going to do this teaching tour across the Northeast. And I literally could not come back to the restaurant. It was going to be like, I teach my full week of classes in North Carolina, take the bus or the train or the plane or the car to blank city for the whole weekend, and then come back on Sunday night, Monday morning, and then immediately have to pick up my restaurant schedule as well. And I was just like, I can't. And so I only quit my job because I was like, I literally cannot come in. But I told my manager at the time, I was like, you know, I, I might be back in like six months. So like, don't, I mean, I don't know. I just gotta, I got to go for this tour. Yes. And then I just haven't been back. That is crazy. That's, I mean, but it was, it was not, I could not imagine just jumping off into freelancing like this. And I was panicked to do it. Like, yes. and I know when, and I read so much like other people's perspectives about it. Like, how do you just quit your job and start doing blah, blah. And they would always, they would say, well, you don't just quit. You have like, an exit strategy essentially and then when you do leave it has to be like you you literally are just free falling like you like you don't know like it might shit might happen and you might have like you might have a stream of income and then you don't have that stream of income anymore and then you just got to figure it out after that point and then you will and you'll figure it out because that's life but when i left the job at that same time, my roommate and I had to leave our old apartment. And so like we were moving into this house that was much more expensive than the apartment that we lived in. And all this was happening at the same time. It was like my money is changing. My 
job is changing this house it was the most and but i mean that's life yeah, like there's always, always shit happening always so change. i don't know i mean i i obviously don't regret it at all but i'm not gonna act like it was not stressful right was. this episode is brought to you by zipster if you need a website that stands out and is completely customizable then make it easy and fast get yours with no setup fee at zipster.com slash free pizza and back to the episode right how was that Very first stressful. tour it was awesome. Um, it was stressful <laughs> um, because I've always been like, I'm a very fly by a seat of your pants kind of person. Like yeah. I'm not, I just don't, I don't, it, it causes me unnecessary stress to be out here, like worried about things that don't matter. So I just like to go with like, go with the wind. Mm-hmm. And that is not necessarily the best thing to do if you are traveling on a schedule. So like, for example, when we taught the New York workshops, I literally, I can't, I thought I was going to have enough money to get a bus ticket or something. I can't remember what happened, but I didn't have the money. And I was like, I'm about to have to drive to New York because I literally have these classes tomorrow. So like I had to wake up at two o'clock in the morning on the day of the class and drove to New York and like got to Brooklyn at like an hour before the class started in time for the class right before my class. So I like took that class and then it's just like, okay, I'm about to teach these classes. And it was awesome. I mean, it was like, I feel like, um, I mean, there were times where I was like sleeping in the bus station in between. Like, I mean, it's just, I feel like it's, it was very, um, it was very important and humbling work for me. And that, that first tour was really, really awesome. Um, I've obviously done other tours since then that have also been awesome, yeah. but that one was particularly cool because it was so homegrown and it was just like, we're just about to do this. You yeah. know? Let's just, do let's it. just do this. Like find some studios, like figure out a way to get there and just do it. And that's amazing. I feel like that's, that's the best stuff though is when yeah. it's just like, just, I'm just gonna do this. Just try Let's it. Just do it. What's worse that can happen? What's worse that can happen? Yeah. Yeah, the like worst that can happen is that you don't do it. Yeah. Exactly. That's. I mean, I feel like that translates to so many creative endeavors, though, because people will get caught up in this fear of like, well, what might happen? You know, what might happen? You don't even know what might happen because you don't. You're not even gonna do it. Like, if you just just leap, because the worst is gonna happen is that you fall. Exactly. And when you fall, you get back up. Exactly. Time. That's great you said that because we had an interview yesterday, um, a bakery owner, shout out to Brittany. She said people are afraid of not failure necessarily, but of success. Absolutely. Yes. People are so afraid of success. Yeah. Well, and also just like fear dictates so much of what we do, like whether or not something is going to work out and like what the repercussions are going to be. And that's something that comes up for me constantly in meditation is my fear, fear of fear also. And that it just, it guides everything and it becomes, um, beyond an Achilles heel. It's, um, because success I guess is scary in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's it's all the same, you know, yeah. is the thing. Like really success is. and failure and you know it just doesn't whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so you did a first tour. When mm-hmm. did it I said that first tour where you just mm-hmm. like, okay, this is gonna be okay. No. No. Um <laughs> I don't even I mean 
it's only been fairly recently that I've been like, okay, I can breathe a little bit. Or yes, like, I can, is... okay. Right. <laughs> like, all the bills are being paid at the same time every month. Like, we're good. That's That's been fairly recent. Right. But uh, I'm trying to remember, like, when shit started to really take off. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've just kind of been consistently teaching, consistently um, doing online classes. Uh, There's obviously been like a pretty big difference between like before the book came out and since the book has come out, there's been um, a shift. But I mean... Honestly, to me, nothing has really changed. Like, I mean, I don't even really feel like anything has changed since I worked at Mateo at the restaurant. Right. Like, I feel like I get up, I work a nine to five job just like everybody else. The, my nine to five job just happens to be working for myself. Yes. And it's actually, and I say it's a nine to five, like going into my office to do my work. But like, it's really a 24 seven job because I'm always always tuned into something about it and the hustle is just the hustle is the focus there's no other thing so that i don't i don't really even remember like accolades or exciting things that have happened because i'm so bogged down in the minutia of everything it's like just like how are we gonna do this how are we gonna get to blah blah i just yesterday this woman was showing me um she was like, I put you on my vision board and now I'm getting to meet you. And we, she showed me the picture that she had on her vision board. And all I could think when I saw that picture was like, that morning when we had to go to Rockaway Beach and everybody's being so fucking annoying. And it took like, <laughs> oh God, now people are going to hear this. Like, like the, uh, I love you, everybody who worked on that shoot. But anyway, because y'all know which one it was. But anyway, the point is, like, I had to do the pose like 40 times, just back to back to back. Oh, they just can't and get like, it? I can't. I mean, you know, the light and the, yeah. and the way the waves are coming in and just like all this stuff. So like, I, when I look at the photo, I remember the minutia of it. Oh, and I, I forget that like, oh, someone is having a really positive reaction to this. Yeah, because that's, that's awesome. That to me, I don't do things. I don't make content for other people. I make it like to express something so to me it's like weird the reaction that other people have to it but that's a whole other topic right right and you uh obviously told us about the london experience you have but yeah how was how what other places have you been overseas and how's mm. that been i have been to uh london dubai singapore uh indonesia um i think that's it outside of like that's it outside of like Canada. Yeah. But, um, the, so, okay. (sighs) I'm trying to think of the best way to put all of this. Um, it's been amazing to travel this planet. This planet is phenomenal. The people and the geological, uh, occurrences on it are really like beyond my comprehension. And I feel to say I feel blessed is like not even covering it at all. Um, 
I've definitely had my eyes opened in a lot of ways to my prejudices as an American, um, just about how, I mean, like going to Dubai, for example, when my, when I first told my mom I was going to the UAE, she was like, we have to get you an engagement ring so that people will think that you're married and then they won't harass you. And so like, this is the mentality that I'm carrying to this country, right? Which is like way safer than if I need to be concerned about anybody fucking like harassing right me, you worry about that here. Like, <laughs> not in a country that is like where people are for the most part chill because there's like whatever i'm not gonna yeah. go into this and yeah, sound get, like ignorant as fuck but the <laughs> point is it was just like very different from what i was expecting and i didn't realize like just how prejudiced i am and um but then there's there's flip sides to that so when i was in indonesia the main thing that I really took away from that experience was like, there are no black people here because as soon as if anybody in fucking Indonesia sees you and you are black, they will want to take a picture with you. And they're literally in the picture, like two thumbs up, like, yeah, I am a black person. And we went to this one temple and legit, like everybody, once people saw that, like we were cool, it was me and my partner, like we were cool to, to take a picture with everybody's like swarming they're just oh. like yeah like they're like ah two like peace signs out like i'm here the black person and i was like people are so funny like human beings are fascinating because first of all white people do this shit in africa all the time they go yes. like go somewhere go yes. to a village see a gaggle of black kids and they're like let me get a picture with them like, and then they're like i was in africa you know so i was like oh shit like all human beings do this this is a thing but it was also mm. like you know, um, uncomfortable to a certain degree because yeah. it's like, you know that everybody is staring at you all the time. And then there's so many um, prejudices that come along with that. Like people are prejudiced against blackness in general across everywhere. like race everywhere. And yep. so really seeing that was just like, it was, I mean, even growing up in North Carolina, like <laughs> one of the hearts of the Confederacy, it's yes. like, it was still like, wow, okay. <laughs> and then in Singapore, they, there's really intense sizeism there. Mm -hmm. So like I went to um, a bunch of different stores. First of all, walking around this massive mall packed with people, I am the only black person in the, I'm totally different from everybody else. I'm like like very curvy wearing very very short shorts because hot as it's hot as fuck in singapore yeah. so like wearing like very short shorts and a leotard and everyone's just staring at me like everywhere that i went and i was like whatever i mean like you get stared at it's fine but like being in these stores and the highest that they would go up to like at um h&m at forever 21 at top shop like these stores that are in america too but then the highest size is like a medium right and even here it'd be a large but at least it's a large and when i said something about this on instagram afterwards like everyone in singapore was like this is what it's like here like there's no options for us there's no like you can't oh, get wow. clothes over a size like eight all this shit and i was just like or i mean whatever the equivalent is there the point is there's sizeism and discrimination everywhere. everywhere and there is fear of ourselves everywhere that's what i've learned from traveling that is wow like, <coughs> a lot of culture <coughs> shocks but like let's say it's, it's like yeah. everywhere that's 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 insane there's a lot of culture shock yeah sure. 
Um, cool. So I, you mentioned the book a few times, and I remember being Barnes and Noble forever ago, and I saw your book on the shelf, and I got super excited. And I sent you like a message about it. Um, so you don't have to like tell us everything in the book. I think people should go and read it. I need to read it myself. Um, but tell us your kind of why you kind of made. Obviously, you say you made it for people who like to read, but like. What well, was your goal in making the book? So over the years, I've received so much mail, whether it's emails, DMs, met comments, all kinds of shit from people. And the number one question that people have asked me is, how do I start practicing yoga? How did you start practicing yoga? What, like, where do I start? What match should I get? What is this thing? How did you start practicing yoga? Mm-hmm. And every time I get this question, I'd be like, why the fuck are you emailing me this? Like, why? You could have typed this question into Google. Like, yes. why are you out here asking me this? And then on top of that, like, when people ask me in Whole Foods or, like, at the post office or whatever, like, how do you, I saw you on the blank thing, and, like, how do you do blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, how do you expect for me to answer this question for you right now? Like, we're in Whole Foods, and you want this, like, <laughs> three-hour explanation of what yoga is. But whenever I would go to research, like, how do I start practicing yoga, I would get confused. Like, I know what it is, and I'd be like, is it a religion? Is it something that only white girls do? Is it something that you have to get an expensive mat for? Like, what is it? And I was like, somebody just needs to write all this down one time so that... So there's never any confusion about it. And anytime that someone's like, how do I start practicing yoga? That you could just be pointed to that book. And I was like, I'm about to just write this book. So I never have to answer this question again. Yes. So that was literally the purpose was like, I want to, cause I, every time that I get an email or a comment like that, she wouldn't respond. So I have a whole folder on Gmail that is just these questions. And I was like, now, anytime that somebody asks me this question, I can be like, you just need to get on Amazon.com and type in everybody yoga <laughs> and you will have the answer to Read the question. Read this same book. So it was literally like, just so that I can, because the thing is like, when you practice yoga, you recognize that the questions that come up and that I answer in everybody yoga are just the tip of the iceberg. That's just so that you can like get on a mat. But once you actually start practicing, there's all kinds of shit that comes up because it's less about your physical body and more about understanding what's going on inside of that body. And so now that I've written that book, I can go on to talk about all of the other themes about yoga. And so I'm actually right now working on the follow-up to Everybody Yoga oh, cool. that is about, it's about the experiences that I've had in the last few years. So okay, all of this and really digging into like the yoga industrial complex and this whole like fake universe that tends to run what people think of as yoga. Right, right. Yeah. Were you were you nervous about the success of that your first your first book? Mm. How do you mean? But like, I mean, obviously it's it was a mm-hmm. it was a it was a definitely a top seller. Mm-hmm. But were you nervous? So when you put it out, when you're done with it, you you know wrote it, everything it was approved and all that. Were you just like, oh gosh, I don't know how this is gonna go? Um. Yeah, a little bit. Right. Um, because, I mean. I face a lot of discrimination in the yoga world. Like there's a lot of people who believe that my like philosophy is in direct contradiction to what they believe. And which is confusing to me. Cause I'm like, I'm not saying shit that hasn't been said for thousands of years. So like, if you don't agree with what I'm saying or you don't, you feel a way about it, then I don't know what to tell you, but <clears throat> I, 
people are like extremely critical of me Mm -hmm. so that in writing the book i was like quadruple checking everything Everything, like everything has to be like comparing all of the like i did all of the um direction of the models who were in the book and like i'm like going through and making sure that everything like that no one can come to me and be like that's not right or this isn't right or Mm -hmm. blah blah blah. it was the kind of checks and balances that i honestly think a lot of people don't even feel like they have to do but i felt like i need to make sure that this is together because it can't come out and then people are like well what is she even talking about you know (laughs) so it it did add an extra layer of pressure but i really just felt like I needed to get that book out of me and just release it. So I was less concerned about, um, like in the end, it was just like, I just have to get this out. And Mm -hmm. by the time it actually came out, I had, it had been edited and finished so long before that, that like, it was, it's, it's like you have a baby and then a year after you have the baby, everybody's like, oh my God, you had a baby. And you're like, I've been living with this bitch for like a year and we're already tired of each other. <laughs> like now you're excited about it. Okay, cool. But like, I, yeah, I was, it was definitely, there was a lot of pressure. For sure. Right. Yeah. Right. And was this when obviously you had, um, been with the press a lot all along the way, mm. but this is, is this where a lot of heavy hitters were coming, coming at you? Yeah, yeah. Buzzfeed and that kind of happened before too. But it was like, but it, yeah. I mean, the heat of the tour, like the the first two months of my book tour in April and March of last year, that was the most intense press that I've ever done in my life, and I really did not enjoy it. And my publicist knows this. Like (laughs) I really, it was. There was one point where I called her just like almost in tears. Like I just don't know if I can do this. Like I do not because it's basically like you wake up, get on a plane wherever you are at like four or five. You catch the first flight out. And then immediately, as soon as you get on the ground, somebody meets you at the airport to take you to a bunch of press appointments. So it's just like, bam, 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 all the way up until the event in the evening. And I was, I have been very blessed to be supported by this community that, and I do not take this for granted, but I have been very blessed to be supported by a community that wants to come see me. So all of the events are like packed with people and it's like, I have to be turned on completely on and i'm extremely introverted i like to be at my house listening to music like reading books and shit i'm not trying to like hang out with people and it was just very emotionally demanding and then that on top of the press because like okay yeah there's i don't know how to talk about Mm -hmm. this diplomatically but there i did do a lot of press with people who are very conservative thinkers. Okay. More Fox outlets than I anticipated. And those conversations are just really uh, difficult for me personally. Um, For a bunch of reasons that I don't even think I need to go into. But so that was challenging for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, you know. Yeah. You're doing the pretty very well. I mean, obviously, you <laughs> I don't know. I just so have great. to. Is the thing. It's just crazy being with someone, and, and I hope like at this point too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've done so much for yourself or the people, mm-hmm. and you've kind of kept such a great composure. Like you're, you know. I, you know, I don't. 
so one of the things that is kind of funny about this is that I am actually practicing yoga all the time. You know, I think there are a lot of people who like want to act like they're practicing. They want to say that they practice yoga, but the actual work of it is very time consuming and it is, um, it's isolating, but it's also become more necessary now than it ever was before. So the, the time that's when I got here, I was like, I didn't meditate this morning. I feel weird. Like it's that kind (laughs) of shit where it's like, it's like I have to, I have to take care of myself or else I would not be able to do this because my, I haven't stopped being an anxious person. I haven't stopped being a person who like is prone to depression. I'm still struggling with the same things that I've always struggled with, but I just really like 100% lean into my practice all the time. And then that becomes the focus. And then everything else is just kind of background noise. And I do also think it's key that I live in North Carolina because if I, so I could very easily live in New York. And honestly, I think that my agents would prefer that I live in New York just for them and in the pursuit of making money and then building a brand. But I try to pack everything that I need to do in New York into one week or two weeks throughout the month so that I just go up there for that. I maintain a membership at a co-working space there and like that's my New York life, but I live here. My family and friends are here okay. and that little ecosystem is what supports me right. because if I didn't have that shit, I promise you I would be on a completely different page right now. Right. Like right. the frenetic energy that's required by these places that like where you need to be focused on making I mean like I understand why people act like that in New York it's expensive as fuck to live there so you gotta be focused (laughs) on it all the time yeah 24-7 but here you don't have to do that and the the entrepreneurial spirit is just very different and more organic I think and for me that is just like very necessary sustenance and the friends that I've had are friends that I've had like some of them since like I was in high school, some of them since UNCG. Most of the people that I kick it with now are people that I've known from working in restaurants. So like, those are my people. I'm not like trying to hang out with like fake people who, you know, they have these like, cause all of that influences you and it influences the way that you see yourself. And mm-hmm. I just, <clears throat> any energy that you're picking up on, I don't think would exist were it not for the support system. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you mentioned um, something about branding and marketing. So mm. how was developing your brand, like as far as picking people who were really like seeing your vision, like you mentioned mm. the agency in New York, how mm-hmm. was it finding those people? Mm. <laughs> um, um, we were, we have all been drawn together by the universe. I did not set out like, well, okay. Mm. A number of years ago, I realized that in order to grow the brand that I wanted, I would have to take on a brand agent because honestly, if you are, because the social media influencer um, 
career category, whatever, is so new. The profession is so new. It's like the Wild West. Like, people will take advantage of you so much. They don't respect it. They do respect it, but they don't want to pay you. Mm -hmm. And it's made doubly worse, honestly, as someone who um, shows up in the world visually as a woman and also someone who is black. It is very, very difficult. I could not do so much shit that I do now <laughs> were it not for the white women who work on my behalf, right, honestly. Right. So <clears throat> I don't I wouldn't say that it's like explicitly them, but having somebody in that position. So selecting the right people kind of I've again been blessed to have people reach out to me and have had the opportunity to select from those who have reached out to me and the people that I have ended up working with for the last few years have been, I mean, immeasurably instrumental in what's happened. But I have, I have seen how that could not be the case. Right. Exactly. Because when there are people who are taking, who look at you ultimately as like a percentage, mm -hmm. they're, they're looking at you for the amount of money that you can make for them. It's really easy to end up in situations that you don't need to be in. And, I still have to be extremely conscious all the time of like who I'm aligned with, what they're doing and how that's going to reflect on me in the long run. So right. it's, it's no small thing. I think there are a lot of people who will reach out to, you know, someone who's like on social media or whatever. And they'll be like, just start saying random shit like, Oh, I could get you this thing. We could do that thing. You could do this, that, and the other thing. It's like, yeah, you could do whatever, but what is, what do I really need to be doing? And like, is this going to serve a greater purpose? Is this like in line with my vision or my mission? I think it's really important to be critical of that. Cause I know a lot of people personally who work with people who I would not say are working in their best interests. Mm -hmm. And there are people I'm sure who would say that about the people who work on my behalf. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I don't want people to be like, I'm going to go get an agent or a manager and then they're going to make everything great. They might fuck you all the way yes, up. Well, like, yeah, exactly. really, you know, exactly. it might not, it really might not be what you need to be doing. Yes. But I, and I honestly have not taken on, I, I only have, I, so I have a literary agent and I have a brand agent and I have um, producers that work on different projects, but my I don't have a manager because I am wary of, I, I don't want for my mission to ever change from, from creating from this place of like, I just want to get these things out of myself. I want to, I want to express the way that I see this world. I don't want for the mission to change to like, yeah, and I'm really just trying to make money. You right. know? And I think that when you have someone who sits on your shoulder and is really like their, their career is your career. It's really easy for your perspective to get tainted. Not that it will. And there's a million examples, million and one examples of where that it's absolutely not the case. Right. But I'm just personally very wary of it. Right. Yeah. That's great. There's so many moving parts yeah. in that. That's insane. Yeah. So yeah. It is, yeah. There. I mean, it's a lot of moving parts. It's like, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of always evolving, and I'm always changing and growing. And I'm also really not 
that committed to this as like a career, you know, it's like, this is, I, I don't even know that I would say this is like my life's work. I feel like this is something that I'm clearly meant to be doing right now. Yeah. And I think that there, I can also very clearly see a time in the future where I get off of social media entirely and potentially do not even live around other people anymore. Wow. I just huh? don't, because life is long, you know, like, I mean, hope, well, but then what is hopefully? Who who knows? Life could be long. Yeah. But it's also very short. Right. And I feel like there's, you know, there's more to life than phones. And there's more to life than, you know, pictures. And Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, it's important to know that. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, it's just to answer kind of my next question of like, mm. where would you want to end up? Mm. You know, at the kind of end of it all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I guess you want to be like more kind of just away from all this Mm -hmm. eventually i just want to be happy yeah i feel happy right now on a regular basis shit happens yeah but generally speaking i feel happy and i feel like that that's my only goal in life is to just be happy right and if possible to allow other people to be happy as well right but i mean when I think about the people who have had the, sh- the biggest impact on me, like thinking about my, um, and, and really thinking about people who are no longer here, who have had a huge impact on me. I just think about like the happiness that they brought me and that that is all that really matters. Like when I think about my grandma and my aunt and Kaylee and Richard and people in Dallas, even it's like, there's um there's just a reason there's a reason beyond work that we're all here right. and i feel like i just whatever that reason is whatever the mission is i just want to be happy right that's perfect that's very simple yeah. you, know, it's, you know it's very attainable obviously and you're doing a great job and whatever people and all that some stuff no, is that's that's very generous of you. Of course, of course. I've been a fan for a long time. I'm a fan of yours. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I really am. This is the thing, though. When I saw, um, I can't remember what photo I saw, but you just have like a very specific gaze. Like you have, you have a gaze. It's yeah. like you are. A lot of people don't have gaze, so <laughs> you know, like, people, people be like, pick up a camera and just be like, you know, like do whatever like mimicking other shit it's like paid by numbers you know yeah. but i was like who is this black kid in greensboro taking pictures of these people like, that are like really interesting to look at and i'm looking at them and i'm like what are you thinking like, who's thinking and that's when i was like we gotta work together but i'm also yes. like on a million pages so i'm glad that this worked yes. out i'm so happy and to end this out um give us some of your advice to mm. um the up and comings in the creative world Oh my God, don't listen to other people. Listen to yourself all the time, even when you have to tune out other people. Uh, That's number one. Number two, it is okay to walk alone without a map and to walk into the wilderness by yourself. Um, Number three, um, stay in your lane. Make your lane, but stay in your lane. The racehorses that fall are the ones that look at the other horses. You need to stay looking straight ahead. And... 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's just, oh, and um, this is a Kanye lyric. I feel, I have a lot of, Kanye and I have <laughs> had to break up over the years, but this is one of the truest things I've ever, I have it on my wall in my office. I would rather, um, well, the whole line is, yes, the whole there's thing. leaders and there's followers, but I'd rather be a dick than a swallower. And yes. that is how I always am like, I don't, I just... You know, I'm not trying to be a dick, but you know what? I will be. I'd rather be a dick than a swallower. Yes. So that's that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. It's been amazing. Thank you for the Thank compliment, for by the way. Me. I appreciate that. But um, that, this has been amazing. Oh. Very often. I need to go read that book. Y'all do too. Yeah. Snatch up Everybody Yoga. Let go of fear. Get on the mat. Love your body. You can find it anywhere the books are sold. Yes. Um, that was for Workman Publishing because they'd be like, this bitch is on here talking yeah, about she didn't, she didn't say where to get yeah, what it. What the hell? God. Gosh. And yeah. also, you're on um, Stitcher and yes, all that. Instagram. I'm on Stitcher, Instagram. Uh, I guess they shouldn't be in the same category. The point is, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as my name is Jessamine, and I am on Twitter as Jessmont Jazz. I have a podcast on Stitcher Premium called Jessamine Explains It All, and you can find all of this and more at jessaminestanley.com. We're going to put a link in that in our description, so check her out. She's absolutely amazing. One of the, one of the like best people. She's making finger. She's making finger, she's making anyway. finger things that there's no camera in here, so I don't know what she's look. She's uh, thinking there, but <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for coming. This is amazing. You're the best. You keep listening to free pizza.